Hey Thrivers, you're listening to the Thrive Student Ministry Podcast. Thrive is an MBSF college ministry on the campus of the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. At Thrive, we empower students to engage in their relationship with God through mentorship, friendship, and the discovery of their purpose. For more information on our gathering times, including our events, small groups, and weekly worship, visit us at thriveuark.com or follow us on our social medias at thriveuark. This week, Pastor Jack continues our series in the book of Galatians, and our scripture from tonight comes from Galatians 5. We hope you enjoy the message. Verse 1 says, so Christ, so he's been talking in the course of this, and he says, so Christ has truly set us free, right? Term he's been, phrase he's been using quite a bit. He truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again into slavery of the law. Paul's serious, right? I mean, he's like the term slavery, that's a big deal. Um, but don't, you know, you guys got a, we got a graphic problem? That's the way it translated? Nice. Excellent. So I don't know. Can you read that for me, Crystal? Okay, I can't. Um, <laughs> you had to follow along on your own, I guess. Um, so anyway, um, but he says, stay free. And don't get tied up in the slavery of the law. So I just want you to know, Paul's not someone who minces words. We don't have telephones. We don't have email. We don't have any of that kind of format. So when you write a letter to a group of people, you kind of got to mean business. And and for those of you who've been around a little bit or studied communication, maybe, gosh, no, none of you would have been, never mind. Sorry, old, old moment. Um, (laughs) Where... Yeah, <laughs> none of you would have been around during that time frame. Um, anyhow, communication. Those of you guys who've studied communication, what? There's some interesting pieces about communication, right? What about like writing, for instance? How much? How much of what I say is part of communication? You know, Crystal. Okay. Did you know that? Are you just really pull that out? Are you you like? That's good. Actually, you're right. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm impressed. Um, no. Um, but no, that's right. I forget about that. I think a lot of us do. But the actual words coming out of my mouth, the words themselves, only about 10% of the communication. The other part is it like how I'm standing, what I'm saying, tone of my voice, all this kind of stuff. The fact that we're in the room, that I'm in front of you, Bible open, who I am and what, how, the respect that you have for me, that kind of stuff. The fact that I'm not talking like this or I'm not yelling, just however we do it, right? There's all kinds of pieces. So Paul, when he uses words, they carry a lot of weight, right? So that's just, there's, an, there's, there's some intensity that's building here. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you're counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Right? So on the surface here, can we just get a little bit of confession? Who struggles with this? (laughs) None of us. (laughs) Like, I don't know when ever in my life I've thought about, I'm going to try to please God by being circumcised. Like, like first of all, like, like are we just going to have to jump over the hurdle here? Like, the, I'm just going to tell you, like, the book of Galatians, there's so much where it deals with, where I said, I told you, it's going to get weird. Um, and that's kind of where we are. I hope, I hope it's, it's clear, like, we don't have to get in and define circumcision, okay? Um, surely we can figure that out. But it's like, why this? Of all things, of all body parts, of all like, I, I don't even want to start throwing out other options, but it's just like, like, like seriously, there could have been all kinds of other things, right? Why? Well, yeah, why is it this one? It's a little strange. It is. Can you play the video? I want I want <laughs> I, 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 I'm glad you guys got a kick out of that because I thought it, I thought you might. But 
No, in all seriousness, we do have a video, but it's not circumcision. Uh, actually, it, it is circumcision. It's about the very first circumcision, uh, but it's not a video particularly about the physical act of circumcision. This passage is extremely important because God gives Abram a new sign of his promise. As the rainbow was a sign of the promise he made to Noah and the world, this new sign would be for Abram and the nation that would come from his line. God instructs Abram and his household to be circumcised. This may seem like a strange, possibly random sign, but it actually couldn't be more appropriate. The whole book of Genesis so far has been about a descendant of Eve who would crush the head of sin and death. We learn that this descendant would come through Abram Abram, since it is through him that God would bless all nations. Therefore, God gave Abram and his people the sign of circumcision as a constant reminder that it would be from their line that a final blessed one would come. This physical sign on their reproductive organs palpably showed that this line of people was marked off for a very specific purpose. From this line, one would come who would fix the entire world. In renewing his covenant and giving this sign, God also changed Abram and Sarai's name. Both name changes signify a new identity and a new reality. Abraham would be the blessed father of a multitude, and he had been given the sign to prove it. Sarah would be the princess of a nation. She would be barren no more. Ultimately, we know that the final son of Abraham and Sarah who blesses all nations is Jesus. And Jesus gives us a sign better than the circumcision given to Abraham. Ours is a circumcision of the heart, made inwardly by the Holy Spirit. The reason for an inward circumcision is that the true children of Abraham are not the ones who come straight from Abraham's line, but those who believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit changing our hearts is the new sign of this new covenant. And just as Abraham's circumcision was a sign put on his body, guaranteeing the fulfillment of the promise that was to come, the New Testament says that the Holy Spirit's sign in us is our guarantee that all of Jesus' promises will be fulfilled as well. Christians also receive a new name like Abraham and Sarah did. In fact, we are renamed twice. The first name is given to you when you put your faith in Jesus. You are made a new creation. At that moment, you were given so many new names. Bride of Christ, adopted son or daughter, beloved of God, the list goes on and on. And there's a second name every Christian will receive as well. The last book in the Bible, Revelation, says that Jesus will give new names to everyone who perseveres to the end. And now no one knows what this name is or what it will be. It may be that Jesus gives each of us a private name that only he calls us, a sweet little pet name between us and our savior. And that's a name worth looking forward to. I pray that the Holy Spirit would show you the God of faithfulness and that you would see that Jesus has given us his spirit as a guarantee of what is to come. So anyway, he, other than the pet name part, I think he could have just cut that out and it would have been much better. But um, but I, I thought that that was much better than me trying to go back and explain it and it would take me longer than three, three and a half minutes. Um, and so that's where it started, right? And so it, it came from a, a biblical reason. But there again, I would still say like, God, come on, like, this is what you chose. Uh, this is what it is. Um, and so... Anyway, anyway, but that's what that's where that's where it went. That's where that's that's kind of where it came from. And so it's really good for us to grab a hold of that, look at it, be able to understand kind of that there's a bigger purpose and meaning. It's not just an awkward physical thing, right? But it had a very significant piece that tied the spirit. And you'll see that oftentimes throughout God's word is that there is a physical with a spiritual and those two things tie together, you'll also, I mean, just, I mean, all kinds of different examples there, um, you know, all the way from like, hey, look, let's stack up a, a, a pile of stones. What are these stones for? Well, because when your kids come by here and when your grandkids come by here, you need to tell them the story about how there was a day when there was like a million of us who walked across that underneath that water, the water split open. We all walked through there. You should have been there, man. It was awesome. And, and, and God delivered us. There was a physical place to represent a spiritual happening. And so that's kind of what we do when we start beginning to think about this. But he's going to go on. He's going to move on here. And so let's, let's kind of look at that. And so right here in verse 4, 
He says, For if you were trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But he, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised, promised us. For if we've placed our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit by being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So let me back up just a second. Because in Colossians, um, well, uh, yeah, in, in Colossians 2, there's another piece right here, because going back into like verse 4, when he says that, that if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. Right? And so in Colossians 2, there's, there's a verse, and uh, you'll have to look there later on and just write it down, but Colossians 2, 11 and 12, it says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by the physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision. The cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. On the cross, this idea, well, so, so this, this phrase, this idea of a circumcised heart, right? Obviously not a physical cutting of anything, but a heart that's done, and I really like a quote by Tim Keller that talks about it's like what you ought to do and, and what God has aligned you to do when those things come together. Like that's kind of what it means to kind of have the, the circumcised heart. The things that, you know, um, that, you're, that you want to do and that you ought to do, that those things become the same thing. That's, that's when our hearts are in that right place, and it is kind of like that, that circumcised type heart. And really why Paul, even in Colossians, when he's referring to these people, and he's talking to them, why he uses this, this term. I, I honestly, like I said, it's awkward. Uh, it's awkward to think about. I've oftentimes wondered why. Why do, we, why do we use this? Why does it have to be this kind of, you know? And I got to think that even back then, because there's times, like, like I'm sure you've done this too, where you just kind of rationalize that, well, that's something they did back then, or that's something that was Bible. And I still got to think, like, <laughs> that's not, that was, it was awkward back then too, right? It was weird a little bit back then too. And, and one of the things to note also is that like part of uh, Jewish culture was that, that it was possible that you, if you weren't born a Jew, that you could become Jewish, right? And there was a series of, of things that you had to do and there were sacrifices that had to be made. And actually there was a baptism or a public washing, right? That happened. So, so baptism predates even what was going on with John the Baptist and Jesus and that kind of stuff. That wasn't the first time that that was happening. Um, and so that was something that even within culturally, they were aware of kind of what those things do. And, and one of the, the last kind of sets of ceremonies was the public washing to, to, to kind of show that and for males, circumcision. And so <laughs> I just want you to know when he says, like, man, look, you trust and believe in Jesus Christ. And that's how you become right with God. Uh, fellas, <laughs> that's a much easier route than the Jewish way, right? Um, it's just, <laughs> to me, like, I just still look at it. I'm just like, good grief. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you might as well just go ahead and have fun with it. Um, but I'm sitting here thinking about, like, you know, if I sit down and have coffee with someone and talk to them about coming to know Jesus as their Savior, um, <clears throat> Man, what kind of hurdle would that be to look at 18, 19, 20-year-old and say, yeah, you know, this is the process. And then at the end of it, a little bit of a surgery. Um, it's like, oh, by the way. yeah, oh, by the way, like, you know, we're going to go through this ceremony. We're going to do these things. You know, you're going to, you know, you got to pray and have faith. And then we'll, you know, set you up a procedure. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, as tough and difficult as sometimes that might be, as awkward sometimes as it might be to have a spiritual conversation with someone it ain't that bad. Um, it's not that difficult, uh, as a matter of fact. So anytime you're just trying to like figure out, like, how do I get over the hump? How do I break the ice? Um, don't go there, but, but, but at least know, at least know it, it once was worse. Um, you know, it, you know, it could, it could be worse. Um, anyway. Um, so anyhow, 
A lot of fun with that. But I love the way that he, Paul's going to make a turn here. And, and really, this is why, to me, like I said, this is where this part starts getting super convicting. Because you kind of begin to see underneath the layers of what's going on in Galatia. And that's what he does right there in that last verse that I read in verse 6. And so it's like, hey, look, you've either got to choose these laws or Jesus. And he's been trying to make this argument really for four chapters, right? But then he turns it right here and he says an extremely important phrase. I want you to write this down. But what is important is faith expressing itself in love. That's what's important. And then he's going to back out a little bit. And he's, we're going, we're, you know, like Paul does, he's going to kind of loop back around. And this is what he says. He says, he says you were running the race so well. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, this is, a, this is going to be an amping up of Paul. You're going to get to see some, we get to, into the mind and attitude of Paul here. You were running the race so well. Anybody know where that might reference other places as well? Seriously? There's not too many people in the crowd I can ask you. What are, what are the verses tied to that? Hmm? Anybody? Ballpark. Somebody just give me an idea. Somebody talking about running a race well. Yep. Hebrews? Yeah. Yep, Hebrews 12, 1. And, and it's right after Hebrews 11 where he talks about the hall, hall kind of the, you know, we might call the Hall of Fame of Faith, you know, all these different people, all these different forefathers and that kind of stuff. And then he says, since we're, su since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, there's, you know, speculation maybe there about what exactly he's defining right there, but just this idea that there are a host of people, a host of witnesses who are cheering us on, been there before you, all this kind of stuff. Let us throw off the weight in a sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run this race. And we don't really know who wrote Hebrews. There's debate on it. What we're pretty convinced on is that if it wasn't directly Paul, it was one of the people who ran around with Paul. Right? If it was Priscilla, or if it was Luke, or if it was Barnabas, or his collection of some of them, or if it was Paul himself, some of it kind of misses with, you know, whatever Paul, but like, we don't really know exactly who wrote Hebrews, but it was that crew of people. And, and there it is, and this is, this is where Paul's saying, guys, y'all are, oh. I want you to feel the angst and frustration from Paul. You need to, to get to the next point. Yeah. Y'all were doing so good. You were running so well. So good. Who held you back from following the truth? It certainly wasn't God. For He is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I don't know, I mean, I, I meant to grab some of this and we didn't have any fresh at the, or didn't have any at the house. Um, but, but I don't know how many of you have ever baked bread or seen bread bake, right? But yeast, right, it doesn't take, a, it doesn't take just a little bit to make that dough rise, right? Just a little bit. And like I said, to me, this is a piece of this that gets convicting and where I've been over the last couple of weeks as far as looking at Galatians and trying to struggle through like, oh, you know, I don't know if this really applies to us right now or trying to feel like I needed to stretch a little bit on, on some of this. But what Paul says is it doesn't take much of this kind of attitude and this kind of false teaching to spread through the whole thing. And we're going to get let in a little bit more on what he's talking about here. Verse 10 says, I am trusting the Lord to keep you from, this false te from, yeah, from false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, 
Who has been confusing you? And so I, I, I love what Paul does right here. For those of you who are in leadership position of some sort, who will be in the future, who are working and trying to help bring other people along, this is a great kind of attitude of Paul to grab a hold of. Okay? And I, and what, I don't want you to miss it, but when he says it like this, he says, so, so Paul's, he's aggravated. He's frustrated. There, there's, there's angst with this and with these people. You, you are doing so well. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the most frustrating parts of what I do sometimes is to look and see potential in people, especially, and I think some of it, some of it comes with age. It does, uh, because I think some of it, as you guys age and you get older, you see different experiences, you see different people and going through different things or whatever. And, but, but, but to be, to have been in ministry for a while, to have dealt with people and, and, and drama and different kind of stuff and whatever, and walk through different things with different people, to see potential in people and then to see them just kind of make a swerve or to take a dive or to take time off or whatever. And, and, and sometimes, you know, everybody, everybody's going to, we're going to have seasons. There can be ebbs and flows and you, you got to grab a hold of that. But I think you, you're tracking with me. I hope you are. When someone, is, I don't know, for lack of a better term, fall off course. And man, that hurts. That's tough. It's frustrating. And not even really, not at the person really, but it's just, I know of the heartache that's going to follow. That's inevitable because sin does what sin does. It's the nature of who it is. It's, it's the nature of who it comes from. It's the nature of, of what, it, what it is. It kills, it steals, it destroys. Every time, every time. And so to see that kind of take place in someone and to know Man, I don't know if it's how it's going to weave back around. I don't, you know, you're not guaranteed that either. To watch enough people to see like, hey, look, man, someone gets off into something other than Jesus Christ when they were on fire at one point in time, especially at you guys' age, you're not guaranteed anything. You're not guaranteed the big repentance moment in your 30s or that, hey, look, it's just going to be six months or, hey, it's just going to be a year or two and then... You know, it'll swing back around. It could be a generational thing. It could be a multi-generational thing. And I think that's kind of where Paul's at. And what Paul turns around and says is, I've got to trust that God's going to help and take care of you. I've got to trust. I'm trying to trust that, that, that God's going to see. I, Paul's not with them. And so this is just prayer. And I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's one of the reasons why we ought to pray for one another. And, and you should. And, and, and I have found comfort in this to say, I can trust that God is doing. Because at the end of the day, when you're in that spot and you're trying to bring somebody else along, even if it's your own children one day, that you're looking at it and saying, I've got to trust, but I can trust. I'm going to trust that God's going to handle this. I'm going to do what I can. But I'm going to trust in it. <laughs> but I love <laughs> where Paul goes next. <laughs> and it's just, to me, it's entertaining. Because he follows on the heels with, I, I trust that God's going to take care of this and that, that he's going to judge whoever it is. Whoever that person is. And this is interesting to me because I, I, for a while, I mean, if you're just reading it without knowing prior, you know, whatever, knowing the rest of the story, um, I feel like this is one of those where you got to look at it and you got to look at Paul and say like, hmm, okay. I, I thought Paul kind of, I mean, he knew the people. I figured he kind of, he, he had heard some names of the false teachers who have come in there and trying to convince them that it was more than just Jesus Christ. That, that, and, and, and like, we joke about it. And we did joke about it. About the idea of sitting down to coffee with someone and we're going to start, start sharing our story and we're going to share how they can trust in Jesus Christ or how you've trusted in Jesus Christ, how Jesus has changed your life, how they can. And, and we joked about the idea of like, well, well, what if also you had to kind of back in that with and this procedure that you need to get done? That is what was going on there. And so think about how preposterous that would be if that was what, you know, more or less me or someone in my position was doing, where it's like, 
All right. Now, Jenna, uh, you know, I know your boyfriend, but Jenna, we want to, we, you know, we're going to try to share with Jenna's boyfriend, Jesus Christ. But part of this also, you know, we got to see him be circumcised to be right with God. Dom and I, we'll, we'll convince him, you know. <laughs> it's like, what the, like, like the ignorant, like just the, think about, I mean, just think about that's what's going on here. And think about how, like, like the laughing that we're doing, like, think about how mad Paul is. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> there's difficulties in life enough. This thing is difficult enough. I don't know who he is, but good grief. Lord, break his jaw. That's what David said, by the way. And that's a legal prayer. I just want you to know that. You're good with that. I don't know if you've ever been mad at someone like that or been in a situation like that. But, there, but <clears throat> there, you need to be honest before God. And you need to understand that God would love for you to be honest in front of him. Okay? And sometimes you also may just get ready to be humbled. And he may look back at you and you may realize, you know what? I didn't understand the whole situation. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I've been in some situations where <clears throat> God shut the mouth of the wicked by all means necessary. Yes, shut it up. Derail them because they're dang well trying to derail us. So, yeah, by all means, and, and let me, I just heard this phrase a while back. It's, anyway, we're somewhat off topic, but, but getting there. Um, the best way to pray those kind of prayers is face down, physically and spiritually. And I say spiritually because <clears throat> you better be humble. Because when he swings, you don't want to get hit also. And so there's a, there's, you better have a big sense of humility in the midst of that. And if nothing else, but for self-preservation. Um, and so, but, but that's a legal prayer. And that's really where Paul's at with this. I mean, you know why I know? Because <laughs> what he says next. <laughs> this ain't something they're talking about in other places. <laughs> Verse 11, dear brothers and sisters, if you were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? Why are they still picking on me? Why are they still trying to do stuff to me? Why are they still trying to derail me? If I was jumping in with all the other Jewish guys and that's what they were saying. If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I actually, I can't do that to you. Uh, I like some of the other translations. Mine's a little PC here. He just says this. I just wish that those troublemakers who want you to mutilate you or to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Anybody want to? <laughs> yeah. Some versions say, I wish they would castrate themselves. And you know what that says in the Greek when that's translated? Yeah. It means exactly what you think it means. You ever been involved with a bull castrated? Once or twice? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a quick and simple process, right? Never. Let me go back to what I started off with. Paul does not use words lightly. <laughs> and I love this about it because I don't know about you, but there are some times when, you know, I, you can get frustrated and you can get mad about stuff. And I love the build here as Paul is like, gosh, man, you were running so well. You were doing it right. You were, you were, the race, I mean, it was right there. The potential that you guys had and what was going on and, and what was happening. And then I don't even know who rolled in there and started teaching this and trying to mess with it, but a little bit goes a long way. And I, I wish to God that, that he would just shut them up. 
And, and, and just, man, he backs out and even says like, I don't know why. I don't even know why. Who, who started the rumor about me that I was saying this? Because obviously I'm going to write an entire letter to prove that this is not what I think. But, but here, here's what it is. And here's what I think. That it's Jesus and not the law that saves you. And, and, but, but let me get into this just to say like, I wish that the morons that were, that were asking you to mutilate your bodies. You know what? Why don't they? Here, I'll hand them a knife. That, I promise you. I don't like, anyway, again, I, I don't want to go to thus saith the Lord very many times. Um, and don't claim to be a prophet or anything like that. But that, that in some regard is the, <clears throat> the frustration that Paul's dealing with here. The aggravation. And then I feel like maybe in the midst of writing or whatever, Paul takes a deep breath. He probably wrote that line and had to walk away for a minute. <laughs> that's, I don't know, in my mind, that's, that's kind of where I, you know, that's a, that's a pin drop, you know. Um, you know, better, better stop there, if nothing else. Or maybe that is the last word. But, but then he's, he, there's a breath. There's a breath taken. And he comes back. In verse 13. He says, For you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. You, you have been given so much in Jesus Christ. Please, please don't use that for liberty to do whatever it is that you want to do and to be selfish. Instead, Use your freedom to serve one another in love. He's, he's making it back around to that phrase he used earlier. On what's most important. And he goes on and says this. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So we get to see that this, this is more than circumcision. You probably already picked up on that. But Paul's having to deal with something specific that these people are dealing with. But there's a bigger issue at play. And the bigger issue at play is they're missing the point. The point of it is that you have freedom in Christ and we should be leveraging that freedom to love one another, to serve one another. That, that, that instead of the sacrifices, and instead of all the, the hoops to jump through to show us that we are, in fact, fallible sinners. Jesus Christ died on the cross. By the way, He was cut off from His heavenly Father for our sakes, to pay the penalty for our sins. But Jesus did that for us. And rose again and loved us in spite of us so that we could turn around and love one another. And Paul's frustration here and why he spent the time addressing this issue was not simply to just, I mean, I think it, it was the gospel and it was the, the idea of that little bit, of, that this teaching is, is ruining a lot of things. But the main thing that it's ruining is that you're missing the point of loving one another. And we get to kind of see that in that turn in verse 15. He says, but, you know, if you're always going to be biting and devouring one another, 
And that, that's where it does begin to really hit home with us. That's, that's where it's good that we've taken our time and we're walking through this. Because at the end of the day, we got to love one another, right? I mean, good grief, it's, it's all over the scripture, but in John 13, right, that's, that's, a, that's a great place to go back and look. In John 13, um, if you want to turn there real quick with me. So what's gone down in this little piece right here is that, right, he's, he, it's kind of the last time that they're going to be together, which I've always said, you know, and that's, that is, is kind of one of those moments where, like, if, if you know, like, Jesus knows what's about to go down. Like, he, know, he knows the, the gravity and the weight of the moment. He's, been, he's already prayed, God, if, if this isn't, if, we, if there's another way, we get the angst from Jesus to understand the moment and the gravity. But there's not. He's with his guys. He shows them what service looks like. He washes their feet. And then he, they begin to have dinner together. They're talking and different kinds of things like that. And the guys, um, we've got, we got uh, Judas who's going to leave. And then here's what Jesus says in verse 34. And he says, so now I'm giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. That's also a significant moment and a phrase that I promise you Jesus did not take lightly. One that he had just modeled in front of them, that he'd been modeling the whole time in front of them, but literally as he steps, stoops down and he washes their feet and he helps them understand, knowing good well that, that Judas is right there and Judas is about to betray him and tells him more or less, which is to me, is a, that's one of those strange moments as we walk toward Easter, that, that Judas is right in the midst of it and he more or less says, you know, hey, go do what you need to do. And somehow everybody else's table is oblivious, probably till later. Uh, and that's why every time they write about his name afterward, you know, the trash. Um, but um, just this, this, this moment and the gravity of this. And Jesus trying to give them the last set of phrases that he's going to use before he's gone. Before everything changes. You need to love one another. You've watched me. I've loved you. By the way, the way that the rest of the world is going to know you, and this is a principle all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the, all throughout the entire Bible, that, that the people of the world are going to know who God is through the people of God. That's, that's what Israel's all about. That's what Jesus is saying right here. That's what Paul says in Ephesians when he says the manifold wisdom of God will be made known through the church. It's a reoccurring thing that, that the way that people know about God is through the people who say they believe in Him. And what Paul goes back to in Galatians there is, you guys are missing it. You don't really love one another. You're going to spend all your time biting, fighting, bickering over little things. So what does that look like for us? I think obviously, like, I mean, sure, it's the straight up, you know, people are fighting. And I mean us as in like Christianity, but I also literally mean us as in this room. That, that when there is, you know, frustration or whatever, and yeah, obviously the, the, the clear picture of two people mad at one another or hate one another. Give it that. It's also... When you leave and you've got frustrations and you like to go and talk about them, but you don't really have a desire to actually handle it or deal with anything, 
or actually go to the source and try to resolve or solve or anything like that. But, but, and, 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 and I'll give you a pass because I, I know, especially at home. I, I really, <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. Right here, right now, I don't know of anything specific. So I'm not trying to call any particular person out, but I feel like they're probably going to hit somebody. Um, so here we go. Um, anyway, but I'll just let you know, I don't know of anything spe- specific. But I do think this is where the scripture deals. And we've been there before. But I give you a pass on the sense that like, hey, look, man, you go home or you're around some really good friends or you're around whatever that occasionally, and I met Dom and I, man, we spent a lot of time together. He lived at our house during quarantine. For sure, he has seen me get frustrated or mad or, or, or about people and about things. And I promise you, I have said things that are like, ah, you know what, give me a little bit of time, breathe a little bit. <clears throat> it's, not that big, it's not as big of a deal as I had it in the moment, you know? And that thought of like, you know, okay, look, I got to extend some grace, you know, I'm in the wrong too. Um, so I understand we get frustrated at different times, but really no excuse for the continual there again. That's probably a little bit of a relative term and everybody's a little bit different with that. But if you're finding yourself continually frustrated, continually mad or angry or, or whatever, or you just got just bickering little, just, you know, you miss the point. And here's the sad part. You could be right. But you're not doing anything to handle it. You haven't tried to sit down and resolve an issue. And it's possible that the person that you're, that you're frustrated at or mad at or whatever, that they don't have any clue. You know, I mean, we could, we could take, take me and Dom, for instance. That, that if, if I've done something to offend him or whatever, and, and he, you know, I, I would honestly say like, hey, look, in my heart of hearts, haven't done that on purpose. But it's possible. And, and, but, but I could be oblivious to it because honestly hadn't meant to do it. And so he doesn't come and, and talk with me about it and allows that to build over time. That's actually, I'm just going to tell you from the word of God, that's, that's on him. Because he's allowed bitterness to brew amongst brothers. And so you've got to be willing to talk and handle it. And if you're, and if you're hurt and you're wounded, like we've got to be able to talk about it. And there's a big difference between I'm frustrated and one conversation ain't going to solve it. I I get that. But there's a big difference in I'm trying and we're going to try to work through something as opposed to I'm done. We're out. Because that's the main thing. It's that important. Paul's mad about it. He'll cut somebody's nuts off for it. <laughs> I wouldn't plan on saying that, but that's one that uh, I knew Callens would like it. I woke him up. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's more or less what he said. Because it's that important. That's who we're supposed to be. That we love one another. That people who walk, for us specifically, people who walk in that door, they're going to see it. They're going to feel it probably pretty quickly. That where's the power in these people? What does it, what does it matter? What are, what are they made about? And, and I, I promise you, because I've heard too many testimonies on it, that someone walks into a church or someone walks into a group of Christians or whatever, and, and there's times where it's like, I don't, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but there's just something sweet about those people. There's something good about them. I don't even know them. But, and it's not because they're great personalities and all this kind of stuff. 
It's because there's, there's something supernatural. And I will tell you, in our world today, that's rare. That people genuinely care about one another. That they genuinely have, for your freshmen, Philadelphia. They genuinely have a brotherly, sisterly love for one another. That, you know what? We're going to work through our crap. We may say something frustrated to one another. We may, we may <clears throat> make each other mad. But I don't know how, but we're going to work out. We're going to work through it. And at the end of the day, we're going to love one another. And that's what Paul's hitting on here in Galatians. And that's what he's, that idea that's like, <laughs> you guys were right there. You were running the race so well. We got to get back to that. And so when I think about like us in our context in this scripture, and we'll wrap it up. Man, I, going back to what Paul said, man, I'm going to pray that God helps you work through the stuff, man. I'm going I'm to pray that God takes care of what's going on. And in essence, what Paul's doing is he's writing this letter saying, I got to go. Like, I'm going to run toward this. I'm going to keep teaching Jesus Christ crucified, rose again, and died for sinners. And I'm going to continue to love people the best of the way that I know how. I wish you could run with us. I hope we can. And so, we want to internalize that. And to the best of my ability, Dom and I, like, we're going to try to love students on this campus. I, I, I really do believe there's several of you in here that you in your heart you genuinely want that that you genuinely want an authentic real like care and love for others that if they could experience Jesus doing a work in their heart and life like that'd be an awesome thing it ain't gonna be easy it ain't going to be circumcision. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's going it's to have its difficult moments. Loving people who don't always align with you or who don't think like you or whatever, it, it's tough. And there's going to be moments when you're going to say something stupid. There's going to be moments when I say something stupid. Multiple. And we're going to have to figure out how to work through it. But I can tell you this, that pe when people have that kind of resolve and they have that kind of attitude, and that's so good. It's so good. And if you've never tasted and seen that, and you walk into a group of people, and, and that's what's going on, and it, it's, just, it's almost strange in a good way. Where it's like, I don't, I don't know how to put my finger, my finger on this. I don't know how to, like, I don't understand. Because Caden's, he, he's definitely not like Taylor. And, and Taylor is nothing like Callens. And I have no clue why Hannah hangs out with him. <laughs> but they do. And they have a genuine care and love for one another. I'd like some of that. How does that work? And then you get to begin to have a conversation about, well, it's because it was modeled in front of us by our Savior. But we don't all have to like the same thing. We don't all have to look the same. But we love one another. And that changes people's lives. And it'll continually change yours and mine. And the reason why Paul is so frustrated, he is addressing something specific. But the overarching thing is, 
They're not loving one another. They're actually sitting here having a stupid argument about whether or not someone should be circumcised or not. And he's like, you're missing it. You're missing it. I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to, um, to open up your word. And God, something that originally we would all look at and just, it's weird. It's strange. But God, you have this way of God, of moving and working. And God, thousands of years ago when these words were penned, God, you knew that they were super applicable then and would be tonight. And so, Father, for that, man, we, I'm humbled by you. We worship you. And God, we want to love one another. God, I, I genuinely believe that there are several students in this room that God can say they want that. But God, sometimes we, life gets in the way. There's all kinds of stuff that, whether it's our hurts and our vulnerabilities. God, whether it's, it's being distracted by all kinds of things. But God, I pray that in the coming, well, tonight, the coming hours, God, but, but even the coming weeks, God, that you would, you would set us right. God, that you would turn our hearts and our minds to the focus that you would have for us, that we should love one another. And God, that you would open our eyes to the people who are, are, are around us, that are just on the edges. God, the people that we come in contact, the people that we live with, God, the people that we are coming in contact with on campus. God, the 18-year-old or the 17-year-old who will be on this campus in the fall. God, the one that we hadn't seen in a few weeks or months. God, help us to genuinely love people. And God, we pray that you would change hearts and lives like you have for many of us in this room. Forgive us for losing our focus. In Jesus' name, amen.